podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The other thing to say is, Gary, I mean, if that is the circumstance where you lose to Chelsea and then lose at home to Bournemouth, which game will, will be Ten Hag's last? The Fantasy Football Show. Hello everybody, my name's James, welcome to another Planet FPL Clash of the Correspondents and on today's pod we're looking forward to an encounter in Game Week 16 but both of my guests still have Game Week 15 fixtures to complete at the time of recording. Firstly let me introduce you to our Manchester United correspondent Gary Robinson, how are you Gary? I'm good thanks, how are you? Uh, you look depressed mate, please don't be. <laughs> I'm good, thank you, pal. Uh, and our Bournemouth correspondent, who I definitely know, is much happier than the last time we spoke. It's Neil Grover. How are you, Neil? Yeah, doing well. For, um, a month is a long time in football, isn't it? It is, isn't it, Gary? Is it just when United lose? Is it just like a bigger disaster than it is for everybody else? Or, or, uh, well, or, yeah, or, or is it is it the manner of it as well at the moment? Yeah, I don't think it's open at the minute. Is the manner of the manner of visit? It's just spineless. It's seems to watch the same defeat every two weeks. You know, um, and it might be punctuated by a you know win here and there against you know relegation fodder and things like that. And then, but you just know as soon as a difficult fixture comes up or a half difficult away trip or anything like that, you just you just know what's coming at the minute, and that's that's it. I think if we do look. Losing one nil at Newcastle is yeah. not a disastrous result. Yeah. It's it's one of them things, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you know, Man City have lost there this season in the cup. Um, you know, these things happen, but it's just the manner of it, isn't it? And I think, I think most United fans just knew what was coming. That's the other annoying thing. It's not one of them where you you get up for it. And you think, oh, if we play well and all that, you just knew what was coming. You knew we were going to be out fought, outran. Uh, you knew they wouldn't be up for it, um, and it's probably a bit of a cliche, but you just knew Saturday night in Newcastle, eight o'clock at Christmas. You just knew what was coming, and you thought, well, it might not might not go out like that. And it it just went. The only surprise was that it was only one, I think. Yeah. Um, and you just you just know what's coming, and then when it plays out exactly as it that's a frustrating thing, and I think that's why that's why people get so worked up about it. I don't think the result in isolation would be much just one of them unfortunate things. Um, yeah, I get it though. Like, I get a lot of feedback from United fans like, well, your team had lost three in a row before the last game and yet no one's going this, that and the other about your manager. And yeah, previously, know, but... previously going into the weekend, you'd won, what, five in six and technically, unbelievably, would have formed team in the league. Yeah, but there's a, you know, there's... A lot of caveats to all of that, isn't it? You know, Tottenham losing three games in a row versus Man United losing three games in a row, it's just not as big a story, is it? So there's no... That's the reason. Plus, Foster Coglu has had a massive impact on that team. And obviously the Chelsea game was a bit of a one-off, wasn't it? Down to nine men and, you know, became a bit chaotic towards the end. But the other the other games, I mean, the Wolves game, you didn't play that well, but nah, we were bad it was one... But it was one nil with a minute to go, and then the Aston Villa game. Uh, another day, you win that three two, don't you? So that's the reason why it's not a story because you know that it's not, um, it's not an ele- 
it's not an example of what's coming next. That you know, they were just unlucky defeats or stupid defeats or one-off mad defeats. That's not the case. The United defeats. You know what's coming, and it happens exactly as you think it's going to come. And no doubt, you know, we we might we might beat Chelsea uh, this midweek. You know, we might we might beat Bournemouth on Saturday. But you know that next week, you know what's coming. We're going to be dreadful against Bayern Munich. We're going to get absolutely slaughtered at Anfield. You know, you already you can already see that Anfield game coming. You know what's going to happen. And then over Christmas, we'll be the same. We'll beat Villa on Boxing Day or something. And then we'll get slaughtered at West Ham or something like that. You can just tell what's coming. And that's why it's different to Tottenham because Tottenham look like they're on an upwards trajectory, even if they get beat 4-1 by Chelsea. United don't look like that. I'm going to bring Neil in. Neil, did you watch the game Saturday night? No, I didn't, unfortunately. I've I've seen like bits and highlights, but nothing. I didn't watch the whole game of it. But... Look at you. Again, it, it doesn't. It, it, I must say, it doesn't surprise me just on you know how, how particularly how Newcastle. Are. I mean, I always choose to be like try and be positive about these games as much as it's easy to be negative sometimes. Uh, and, and Lord knows, I know that bit. But sometimes, I mean, you know, Newcastle are a good side, like you said, right? In in isolation, there's no shame in that. Yeah. No. I mean. It, Arsenal lost their 1-0 a few weeks ago, right? But but it did feel... Arsenal losing there felt very different to how you lost there. And actually, to go back to a narrative of my team a little bit, like, my team went there in April and put on the most embarrassing performance, right? And I, I think we got pretty battered for it on that occasion because that was yeah. spineless and and bad. It, does, it almost feels, though, in a way, Gary, like, had you conceded early on, that, that might have happened to to you, not to quite the extent of being 5 new after 20 minutes, but you might have got done three or four, and it wouldn't be the first time we've seen that, right? Well, no, that, that's, you know, it's always coming with that team. One one can become twos and threes and sevens very quickly with that lot. Um, you know, even this season, you know, we've, we've been appalling this season defensively, really. You know, our champion, Champions League goals that we conceded have been, what is it, is it 12 and 5 we've conceded in Champions League? Something like that. Um, you know, and yeah, that was the only mercy on Saturday that we didn't concede until what when I don't know the hour mark or whatever. So the time for humiliation wasn't really there. But you know, mark my words, there'll, there'll be one coming soon, whether it's at Anfield or Upton Park that weekend before Christmas, or there'll be a game somewhere where we concede early away from home, and we will be looking at fours and fives again. So yeah, are, are we? Is this recoverable for the manager? And I know, you know, everything always no, says straight no, away. Every, everyone always says, oh, you know, the problem's upstairs. And I know there's a problem upstairs. Everyone's mm. aware of it. But for the manager himself, is this recoverable? No, I think he's done, isn't he? I just... Whether that's right or wrong, but we've seen this a million times. You know, he's banning, he's banning all the journalists today. The players are all briefing against him. Like I say, we're we're one week away from probably going out of Champions League and then losing Anfield in the same week. We've seen all this before, so um, no, I don't I think he's done. Who's the biggest problem at the club at the moment? Is it the ownership not being done? Is it is it the manager of the football team or is it the players? Um, probably. I don't know. I don't know where you start. Probably all three, isn't it? Um, I don't know how you. But the owners, the owners, we know, we know what the problem with the owners is. So, 
we, we've done a million pods on that. There's no point going over that again. But, you know, at some point, you know, Ten Hag's got to either stand up to them or ask for what he wants or ask for what he needs. And, look, is the owner's attitude, is that having much of an impact on how Ten Hag runs that team? It's not the owner's fault that he... He fell out with Sancho, is it? It's not the only, and and that, which seems to have lost him in the dressing room. If you believe some of the reports, it's not the owner's fault that the players seem to have packed it in. So I think they're two, well, three separate conversations, aren't they? I'm not, I'm, I've, I'll never defend the Glazers on it ever, but they're not to blame for every dressing room interaction and tactical decision and all the rest of it, are they? They're to blame for a lot of it and. I know that he's a good football manager. I'm absolutely certain of it because I saw his Ajax team play me and they, mm. they they played very, very different to how this Manchester United played. There was the, the, the famous quote a few weeks ago, wasn't it? Like, we can't play like Ajax. Sort of. yeah. what, what, was you, what was you appointed for? That, that was a, a real, really strange comment. Like, I, I think that's how you got the job was because of how you played with that Ajax team. What he achieved there was was great. I used a reference the other day about Unai Emery at Arsenal that it mm. might just be that he's, he's just the wrong person at the wrong time and he'll go somewhere else and he'll do fine. And then, you know, at the time people were saying, well, it's a problem upstairs at Arsenal, but they're not saying that about Arsenal now. No, so possibly, my, my, yeah. My, my I mean, case, always, say... he's always like, if they're not playing for him, everyone's wasting time unfortunately and you can have this yeah. idea of, we've got to give him three years we've got to do this we've got to do that but if they ain't going to run for him in the next 18 months what's the point yeah it's not that's what i'm saying it's not going to change it's not going to change now we've seen especially with this group of players we've seen it with Mourinho, we've seen it with Solskjaer, and we've seen it with Ranjik. once they pack it in they'll pack it in and you know the only way the only way back from it now is if you if you bombed a few of them out but who who's going to let the glazers aren't going to let him sell rashford martial uh, you know, whoever you whoever you want to blame, he's not going to let them get rid of all of them, is he? So, um, yeah, I, I think he's done. Unfortunately, I don't was know when there, it'll be. Was there ever a period, um, for Ferguson where you thought they're not playing for him anymore? Ever? Even when you no, took slappings like five new at Newcastle and five new at Chelsea and stuff like that, did it ever feel like that? No, because it. it, it there was a lot of times on the first where you thought, you know, who we bought here and have we changed to, you know, are we, is this transitional cycle too long and is he putting his faith in the wrong people and, you know, is he, you know, should he have got rid of Pantelski Susan at the same time? Should he have got rid of Stan, Keane, Van Nistelrooy, Beckham, or, you know, and you go, oh, he's, you know, how long did it take Ronaldo to warm up into that team? And you think, what does he see in Ronaldo that we don't? There's always things like that about as he judges this or about a player, but the actual eleven on the pitch, you never once thought, oh, they've packed it in on him, or they don't trust him, or they're not going to get there. They always did the the basics, didn't they? Even if you thought we might be short in one or two areas, or he's put his faith in Laurent Blanc and got rid of Stam and he's put his faith in Ferdinand and things like that. But there was never a period where you thought this this group aren't don't fancy him. I'm I'm not sure that sacking him is the right answer because I think it could it could be turned around. But then I think you have to be so dramatic about it and say, well, you got to get everyone out of this club. Then that that's a problem. And I think now it's interesting this time that eventually, and I, I think this probably has happened in some quarters, but this time it would have to be exactly what you've said. 
Right, this has happened with this group of players so many times now. Why? Mm. Why? What are they? Are they all wrong? What are, are all of them not worth working for? He, he does feel like we've got into a repetitive cycle, and I, I don't know if there's a, a leadership problem within the team, even that's perhaps not helping. I think I think there's a leadership problem. I think you've got a lot of players there who, because they've been at Man United for so long, and have got. The, the, the mad wages that come with that, they think that they're actually Man United level players when most of them aren't. But I think they've there's such a self delusion amongst a lot of them, but nearly all of them really, that they think they belong there when really in any other era or any other elite, supposedly elite club, they would have been binned off long ago. But it doesn't happen at Man United. They they, they stay on. A new manager comes in, oh, I can get a tune out of Maguire. I can get a tune out of McTominay. I can get a tune out of Martial. I can get a tune out of Phil Jones, De Gea. Oh, you know, you, the list is endless. But they've proven for four different managers, four different skill sets, four different philosophies of playing the game. Solskjaer was too soft. Ranić was too hard. Mourinho was chaos towards the end. Different people, different... They've all put they packed in for all of them. It's not like you'd go, oh, it was when it was under a softer manager, it was good. When it was under a harder manager, it was bad. They packed in for all of them. So, yeah, I think um, that's part of the argument where people say, What's the point of appointing another manager? I do get it because you go, We've said that we've said that about every football club for the last 20 years, but that's what's going to happen. They're not going to sell Rashford, no. Maguire, McTominay. Hoyland, they're not going to sell all of them. They'll just they'll they'll get somebody else in and hope that they can fix it, and then we'll be having this conversation eighteen months. Neil, how do you see that ending? I think you're right. I think you'll go. Uh, one one thing that I like thinking back because obviously I grew up during that m- monstrous Ferguson era, um, as, as as we all did. He always seemed to know when to sell a player. Like when it was time to like, if you think back to like you know Beckham and Ronaldo, I know there was other things there and big bids and all of that, but he always knew to just keep that churn going so that a player, I guess, never felt too big. Um, which is just just a, an observation thinking back, which I don't see that United have done recently, which maybe well, that's part it's... of it. Yeah, because this is it. Because and now now you end up where you need to get rid of six seven of them. Yeah, and you can. Well, and then, uh, but it's the same six seven that probably Solskjaer needed to get rid of. Yep. You know, whereas Ferguson would get rid of one a season. Yeah, and sometimes you go, oh, I think you, I think we've let Stam go too early then. But by the time you'd got Blanc and Ferdinand in, it was like, well, yeah, we maybe got did get rid of Stam too early, but it doesn't really matter now because mm. you know we would bring in two players. Yeah, part yeah. The problem yeah. as well. You look at the team that played at Newcastle at the weekend, and other than the two. Young boys, Kobe Mino and Garnacho. That's basically a team that played under like Mourinho, isn't it? Well, certainly under Solskjaer, at least. Yeah, I mean, obviously a new keeper as well, who was oh, yes, Anana, by um, by Tenard. But yeah, it was a it was a Solskjaer team, wasn't it? Really. So um, who's to blame for that? Is that his decisions of his own transfer. And I realise Hoyland probably wasn't 100% fit and he still needs mm. to integrate, to be fair. But the likes of Anthony and Nana. Now, what's happened with Varane, mate? What's, what is that all about? Absolutely baffling. I'd love to know what's happened there because 
he decided he didn't want to pick him for the derby and they've had a falling out and he's, I, don't, I don't think he's started a game since. But he's still on a bench um, like every week so it's not like he's completely jettisoned or... This is, this is what I mean because the first few weeks oh, it must be an injury or something but it's clearly not. He's, you know, clearly thinks that we're a better team with Maguire and Lindelof and Johnny Evans in the team which is just, I mean, that, that by itself should be a sackle offence to think that any of them are better than Varane. Um, so, yeah, baffling. Uh, all accounts for him might be gone by January. So, if, you know, if Maguire and Lindelof outstay another manager, then God knows. That'll, that'll just sum it up, won't it? Could it come back to that leadership piece, though? Because, like you said, I mean, who are, who are the leaders in that dressing room? I, I mean, Maguire obviously has, has done and been captain before. So, is he looking at, OK, who are my leaders? And I need someone on the pitch that's going to stand up. Now, whether or not you think Maguire is a Man United level player, obviously that's a different argument. But is he the only one that's giving a flying what's it about it, right? I, I don't know. I don't watch, obviously, Man United games every week. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, Varane's always struck me as a, a decent leadership character he's been at Real Madrid and France and won everything in sight um, I, I, I won't for life you know I can't believe that the players would respect Maguire more than Varane um, yeah. yeah I mean yeah, I mean that's the fact Maguire that's the only thing the I can think of <laughs> you know, I mean you, you might be right but I, I can't believe it's true I, you know we, we wanted to Maguire in the summer and the, the the fact he's still there is an embarrassment, really. So I, I think one of the yeah, things to go back interestingly, we, we, we mentioned Ferguson a couple of times, but w- when you think of that leaders in the Manchester United team in, in that era, and I was just kind of thinking, running through my head inside like the central midfield area, how it ran from like Robson into overlapping mm-hmm. to Ince, overlapping to Keane, overlapping to Scholes, overlapping to Carrick. And that's mm. where it seems to like have hit the full stop. And, and Michael Carrick wasn't like the chest thumper, like say a Keane or a Robson was or something, but a, probably a leader in a group who'd learned a lot from winning with those other players. And that those, mm. once the Carricks and stuff started, it's just never recovered in yeah. terms of replacing, yeah. replacing that. I mean, would it matter who was captain for Manchester? I know people say all the time, oh, Bruno shouldn't be captain. I, I don't particularly see what difference that does or doesn't make, to be honest. No, I don't. I don't know if captaincy is as much of a thing in it's football not. as it was twenty years ago. Was it's not um, football and society is not like that anymore, is it? So the idea that you need a Keane or a, a John Terry or whoever to it doesn't seem to work like that anymore. That's, what, it, but so. that's what I'm saying. Carrick wasn't that type, but you knew he was no. a leader on a pitch. That's, yeah, because he always what, what, that was the thing. Carrick would always have the ball off you, wouldn't he? He'd yeah. always have that ball off you, and he'd always try and use it best he could. McTominay is not capable of that, you know. Uh, Mainu might become that in in the years to come, but yeah, at the minute there's no one in that midfield who can do it. And the, and the captain should out uh, should act as the sort of gap between the manager and the players, right? That that's kind of how I see that role. Yeah. And if you haven't, if you've got a gap there, and you've got a manager that's fairly rudderless at the moment, have bringing in someone that is a uh, Eric Ten Hag person in in the middle, even if he's not maybe the, the right player, but the captain or a leader, maybe that would be the answer, but I don't know. Again, mm. don't watch them enough, unfortunately. Neil, I heard someone link Antonio Iriola with the Manchester United job the other day. Again, going back, uh, what, what a difference a, a month makes in football, right? I mean, it, last time we were on here, it was 
if he loses, he's going to be the first to be sacked. And now that, I mean, I, I, I yeah, <laughs> I think we're a way off that. No, but I, that Burnley game might be, might get remembered over the next couple of years as like your own Mark Robbins 1990 moment mm-hmm. in the sense that it's like if we lost that, we was all looking at going, oh, I don't know if there's a recovery here because we kept saying, wait for these good fixtures, then judge them. The good fixtures come round and shit started getting worse originally. But now yeah. it does look like a vibrant, different team. I think it's very much showcased by well, actually all of the last three, three games, basically. Yeah, I think we look back on that that moment of VAR. Now, I know it took a long time, but that uh, Rodriguez VAR decision, that 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 could be the moment that we look back on in five years and go, bloody hell, if that had gone the other way, um, you know, how how different would the world be right now for us? But yeah, I mean, since since then, and, and we saw it in that game, and, and actually, to be honest, we saw it in little bits um, before... Arsenal knocked the stuffing out of us. But I think really since Burnley, we have seen uh, Andoni Ball or Iriola Ball, whatever you want to call it, uh, and what he's trying to do. Um, I think a lot of the players, I think Semenyo came out after after Sunday and said, we're getting it now. Like we understand what he wants from us. And, and actually it works both ways, right? He understands, I think, the players, what the players are capable of who is his options and where. Um, like, you know, I know last time we were on here, we we couldn't, I couldn't come on and say the front three behind Solanke is X, Y, and Z because we didn't know. And I don't think uh, Ariola knew what that was either. Whereas now we've got a little bit of stability. We know who that, what that looks like, subject to injuries and all of that. Uh, and we know what the middle of the park looks like as well, which again we didn't necessarily know before. So I feel like we're a lot more settled, uh, playing the way he wants to play, and actually it's really good fun to watch as well when it gets going. Um, the Villa game, despite obviously us, you know, not getting the right result in the end uh, from our point of view, was that that was a really good game of football. Like uh, I was in the Slack channel at the time, being like. If you're at a loose end, get this one on because it's it's a cracker. Ah, they were saving themselves for the drama at the Etihad afterwards, Neil. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, I get the picture, mate. Um, it, it, it's interesting though. It's fine. Like, do you feel safe? No, but I I think we're working towards it, and I I, I think we will need a lot less points than we ever will do uh, any other year, and. I think you. I can't remember which club you were referring to when when you said this uh, on on the main pod about this is a good year to be in a transition. Uh, with, oh, with no okay. disrespect, um, Forest was talking about. Not that was it. So it, it feels like this is the perfect year for us to go and change the direction of the football club, um, because of the, the the level that the bottom of the Premier League is at, and obviously with points deductions and all of that. And I'm sure they will pick it, pick things up. But it feels like even if it's three or four points less than the normal line, it feels like it's going to be a lower line. So you can afford to have that little bubble that we had um, and now are hopefully pulling away from as well. And it's some good fixtures coming up as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you, if you look at between now and Christmas, we could, we're not going to be a million miles away from sort of 20 points, I would I would hope. Um, by sort of the time when we come to your your gaff, which I think is New Year's Day, isn't it? New Year's Day, New Year's Eve? New Year's Eve, um, crack, mate, yeah. 
Yeah, so I think we could, um, I think we'll be around about high teens, low 20s, which would be fantastic. I mean, that's two thirds of the job done. I mean, quite obviously, I actually referenced this for Forrest last week as well. If you're hitting one point per game this year, that's going to be enough, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, and you, I guess you probably feel like you started on a massive handicap. Mm-hmm. A, because of the points you picked up in the first sort of eight, nine game weeks. And then obviously the the, the fixtures you had in there were so mm. rough as well. I mean, I know you laughed your tits off when you saw your fixture schedule. We always said when it eases up, let's see. But then, you know, your last two home games, Newcastle and Villa are not easy on paper. And I know Newcastle obviously went into the game missing a key player in, in Gimenez and have a lot of problems. But you were good. And you, it looked yeah, like you were and- good against Villa as well. And in between... Went and okay, Sheffield United, whatever. But you still got to go there and and do it. And we, I tipped you to get beat. You know, I'd laugh I know at you that did. Now. <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> no, I, and frankly, I mean, the certainly because I was at the Sheffield United game, and it wouldn't have flattered us if it had been five or six. Honestly, uh, you know, Fodringham hasn't had the best season, but he really did keep them alive in that game. There was a couple uh, that he made, and and actually. Um, Emmy Martinez again. I mean, obviously, in the conversation for best shot stopper in the in the world, get best keeper. He's in the conversation if he's not the top one, right? Uh, and he he played, made some fantastic saves on Solanke, who could have had a hat trick on another day. Has, has Lee Jackson been in your DMs? Did he ask you to say that or anything? <laughs> no, but I, you know, I'm uh, <laughs> I, I'm thinking back to the conversation that that fateful uh, one we had before, where he was. Uh, Lincoln, he was teeing him up for a move to your lot. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right with 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 my keeper now. Are you all right with yours, by the way, Gary? No. <laughs> what is he? Because there's, don't know. there's just... definitely a good goalkeeper in there somewhere. It's got to be. Oh, there clearly is. Yeah, but quite quite where he, where he is at the minute is uh, I don't know because it's just absolute chaos, isn't it? And he. I thought he'd settled down maybe the, the three or four matches before the previous two. I thought he had three oh, maybe league clean settled. sheets in a row. Like it's easy. To well, yeah, but who, who against against who? But but then it's you know you think oh he's finally settled down and then he goes to Galatasaray and chucks three in and you just think where's this coming from? And um, even on Saturday, I think he was all right on Saturday. I don't think he, nothing he could have done for the goal, but. There was, was it, there was one corner and he just come flying out and you just think, what? I don't know what it is with him. Maybe maybe he's just one of those keepers who's a bit erratic at times and, you know, when he's got a more settled defence around him and people who are good on the ball around him, we might see the, the real Anana, but at the minute he just looks absolute I, I don't know if this is part... I, I think... Um, you know, another one I keep getting from United fans, we never talk about our injuries. Certainly Martinez has been a big miss that's that's mm. unquestionable in my opinion and i think in terms of your build-up like he's the most natural one of the defenders to play out right so we thought anana was going to come in and it was going to change your, your style because a lot of last year was yeah i've had really good results i've done really well but i'm not quite sure what their identity is maybe maybe mm. we'll see it now and it feels like it's gone backwards rather than the forwards well, in terms of an identity well this is it i mean look don't want to spend the next hour talking about Maguire, but that's the problem when you put Maguire and Lindelof in the team is that, or Luke Shaw, whoever, you sit 30 yards deeper than you would do. We, we So you become a different team again. 
and then you, you know, and then it looks like Maguire and Shaw are having a great game. But yeah, it's because they're sat on the six-yard box, heading balls out like it's a cup tie against a, you know, a team four divisions above you. That's what happens. You don't, you know, you don't have that chance to build up a style because you just sit there, heading balls out, you know, like an old-fashioned centre-back partnership would do. And I, that can't be helping Onana because, like you said, the idea was that he come maybe a bit of a sweeper keeper, maybe good on the ball, popping it about. You're not going to do that with. Lindelof and Johnny Evans and Maguire and it's just not going to happen, is it? The midfield, no one in that midfield, mind you, maybe, but he's played one. He's had one good game for us. He's eighteen. We don't want to catty Paul out on a young, young holding midfielder. You know, Mason Mount was would that have helped Onana as bad as it sounds? He's plays on the half turn a lot and good at receiving it, but he's barely featured. So yeah, you've ended up with Onana coming in, but. With, you know, the the centre back and the midfield of five right. years ago, when we didn't when we didn't try and play football, we were a counter attacking team and sit deep and edit out and all that kind of stuff. No, fair. Neil, is is it something in the selection that specifically changed this fortune, or is it just like an uplifting confidence? The the, the one that I know people focus on Semenya's playing regularly, Tavernier's come back. I feel like maybe Ryan Christie playing deeper has had an impact as well. Yeah, I mean, ironically, I think one of the turning points was the Wolves game. Um, so I think there was there was a couple of things that we saw after that. So Neto got dropped or was injured for a little period of time. I think perhaps that was a little bit of um, media spin to give him a little bit of a time away and we'd be you like, right, take a break. It. Which, uh, yeah, exactly. And he, he he did that and he, he he had, I think it was two or three games off. Now has come back and actually played fairly well. It's, you know, it's certainly better than it was. That he seems like he's not making anything, any howlers touching wood there. Um I think the the, the cook in uh, the cook red card as well, uh, as well as the Alex Scott injury, forced Christie to play deeper. And actually since since then he's been really controlling the play. He's been trying to uh trying to concentrate on what he's good at, which is Getting the getting the ball into the front three, that's that that his skill is as that playmaker, the guy getting the assists. What he was trying to do too much of, um, sort of being a bit more forward, is he was trying to be the goal scorer himself. And bless him, he can't hit a barn door. Uh, he just hasn't got that shot on him. Whereas he's very good at making the pass to the guy that can have the shot. Um, or playing a you know a killer ball, so he's doing that a lot more. He's very good at just being a pest as well, and running and and doing all of that hard work that perhaps we lost a little bit with Jefferson Lerma going. Um, he's not the same player at all by any means, but he's given us that little bit of nibble, um, and it's allowed Cook as well to uh, now he's come back in to also be yeah a, a little bit more of um, the defensive midfielder that we kind of felt we were, we've been missing. And I think I mentioned that last time. Obviously, we've been incredibly unlucky to have lost uh, both of the players again um, that I was excited about um, until at least probably January. So, um, so yeah, this, this is pretty firm now unless anything obviously happens with injuries and suspensions. When um, when I put the, the schedule together for Kasha Correspondence in the summer, which was ran up to Christmas, 
and you saw Manchester United away in game week 16, did you think you'd get to this point and Bournemouth assets would be more interested in the Manchester United players? No. I, I thought the, the, the I thought we would be in the middle of our run, but I didn't think that it would be more interesting than Man U. Gary, is there anything to consider in terms of United assets for FPL at the moment? No, just how, how quick you can sell them, I think. So is it that? What what would you say to people who've got Dallow and people have Maguire as well? And a few will still have an honor. Well, I think if you've got Dallow and Maguire, um, you, you know, you, you, you don't definitely need to sell them because you can, you, you know, probably bench them for the next however many weeks now. But I can't think, well, I mean, I can't think why you've ever bought either of them, but I can't think when you're next going to when you're next going to use them. I suppose the, this Bournemouth game you might, but Bournemouth look like they've probably got a goal in them. Um, but other, you know, is it West Ham away after that and Villa on uh, Boxing Day, at Liverpool. You know that'd be a minus four for all United players. So you know when are you next? I can't think when you're next going to use them. So I mean, six, rush, 16 but... this week, if you're sitting there with Dallow and Maguire with, with respect to Neil's team, you, you probably are playing it this week, right? There's, there's a few this weekend we'll have, like, say, I don't know, for example, Porro and Lascelles or Porro and Livermento or something. I don't like mm. that Tottenham Newcastle playing each other, for example. So I think there'll be a few that people don't like this week and the easy to fall into would be, I mean, in all seriousness, would you rather play a Newcastle defender away to Tottenham or would you rather just play Dallow against Bournemouth? You're not going to sell Dallow at that point. But afterwards, I agree. No, I, I get that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't, if you've got them and you've come this far with them, you know, you you probably had your, you know, few clean sheets out of the, the Luton game and uh, some of the other games, some of the Everton game and things like that. But like I say, you, you, yeah, so you, may, you may be playing against Bournemouth. I don't, like I say, I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet. But then I think after that, you, you're probably going to have to have half an eye on who who can you move it to because I can't think when you next use them again. You wildcarded, Gary? Yeah, I wildcarded in six or seven, I think. can't remember now. And you, Neil? Yes, about, about the same sort of time, I think. For those who haven't, again, it's game week 19 wildcard. And you look at Bournemouth's two fixtures before, looting at home and then not in the forest away in the blank. That's why the interest is there. And actually even running through a bit further, Fulham at home 19 is, is nice as, as well. Then there's Tottenham away, Liverpool at home, it gets tougher. But as a three-game spin and run, that's good. Um, I'm going to guess, Neil, for, for a bit of quick fire on this, if people wanted a defensive one, Kirkes? That would be my pick, yeah. With the he's Kelly the, injury. With the, yeah, he's Kelly's out till January now, I suspect. Uh, Aaron's is about the same way. Aaron's, I should say, is about the same. So um, him, he would be the main one. Um, yeah, there's Zabani maybe, but no. Kirkes is who I would go with. I've had some interest in Smith as well. Um, I would go Kirkes just because he go gets forward a little bit more, but Smith is going to be nailed as well now, at, at least until January. So it's, it's pick your poison there. They're both 4.4. Uh, is Solanke worth the extra over Semenya? I'm going to say yes, purely because he is still the focal point. So, okay, on Saturday it didn't, or Sunday it wasn't shown, but Semenya had one really good chance that he put away, whereas 
Solanke could have, as I said, had a hat trick on another day if if uh, if Emmy wasn't quite so hot on those just instinct saves. Um, so I think he still is that um, that main one. The other thing, and it, it's not applicable to people that are obviously wildcarding in nineteen, but Semenyo is going to Afcon. Just worth mentioning for for people looking a bit further ahead. Yeah, fair. How many others you got going to Afcon? I mean, we, we we actually really do need to start thinking that a bit more, don't we? Um, so Dango Atara and Traore, I think, are the only ones. And we haven't got anyone that would go to the Asian one. On Traore, was that an obligation to buy, by the way? Yeah, because we ain't seen him at all, right? He's been a bit injured, from what I gather yeah. as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, why on earth did we do this? Uh, he actually has looked, looked quite good, I think, in, in little spurts. But um, maybe the injury has taken him a little bit longer to integrate into what the current system is. So um, I, maybe we'll see him. He's been doing quite well for Ivory Coast when he's gone away. You'll lose Anana, Gary. Amrabat? Yeah, Amrabat, yes. Anyone else? I think that might be it. When, when's the expectation of Casemiro's return? Is it sort of mid-Jan? January, yeah, I think that's yeah. what we've said, yeah. I was just thinking, we play each other in game with 21 and half of our midfield's going to AFCON as well. So, right, both have not a lot left. But, I mean, Amrabat, we've hardly seen anyway. Well, I think I think, I think think he's made his mind up on him that he's not... I mean, I don't know why we bought him. It's well, loaned him. Um, good self. I don't, just don't know what kind of player he is and I don't think he's a lot different to anything we've, we've already got. Um you know, he just looks like looks similar to McTominay to me. Just you know, neither now, neither now in the I, summer. I know you. I know you love McSauce, Gary. I just, I just, he's, he's just not. He's just not. A, well, he's certainly not a Man United midfielder. I don't even know if he's a Premier League midfielder. He, he offers absolutely nothing on the ball. He hides hides in possession. He can't tackle, and all he can do is bomb Finish. on. And 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 nick a goal for you. Is he a, is he a number when nine? He, when he secretly, Gary. I don't know what he is, but he's he's not he's not a midfielder. But the thing is, you you wedge him in the team, but it, you put him, he ends up doing that role. So then it means you've got to play Fernandez in a deeper role. So he's our most creative player and a liability on the ball in terms of, you know, and people go, oh, I've got no control. Well, yeah, yeah, they're, they're using Fernandez him as a, as a shadow. Like yeah, he protects, <laughs> he, he protects better. So he plays deeper next to minor. This is like what happened at Newcastle when it happens in most of your games. He goes in deeper, but then when you get the ball, he disappears into a ten position, and Bruno yeah, drops yeah. short. So he's restricted Bruno Fernandez in terms of his mm. his output a, a little bit as well. I think. Um, Neil Semenyo is he is he better on the left or the right? Was it not Mal? Um, because he's been switching so much. So, uh, him and and Tavernier switch. A lot, which uh, I think has been just crazy for the uh, like. I you can see the sort of defenders going, ah, crap, who have I got now? Um, he's traditional. Like recently, he's done better when he's on the left, but I think he's more natural cutting in from that side. But we've seen him do both, to be honest. Um, where he likes to sort of cut in and and really run at the defense and have a shot from sort of I guess sixteen yards out, and it goes in the bottom corner. That's off the so, right um, when he's doing that, right? Yeah. Yeah. But he's he's done it with both, but yeah he's um, but yeah I I think I prefer him I guess on the right because I think Tavern Tavernier is better on the left, but they do switch. 
Have either of you considered free hitting in 18? It's not something no, I need even, to do. do not, even, think, uh, not even know that uh, was a thing. And, and this is aimed at Neil, because I know Gary's answer would be no one away to West Ham. Do you think, Neil, if you were, that you would go Bournemouth assets on a free hit in game week 18? I think it would be worth a go Forest away. Um, with respect to them, I don't feel like the city ground is the fortress that it has been recently. And, you know, we got a result there last year. Um, and so so why not? You know, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly uh, be aggressive when we're there. So there's going to be goals in us. So I think there would be, it wouldn't be mad if you're not on a Semenyo, uh, particularly if that might allow you to go and, um, be a bit more aggressive elsewhere with with some of the other assets. You know, I say you're just shy of a son or something like that. Um, I think free and then free hitters, though, Neil. Like money's not going to be a problem. You go sell yeah. a son and there's nothing else to spend basically on the free hit. So of not Holland, I, I, yeah. I, I'm interested to know it, who would be your free. I know you probably wouldn't go free, but if I said you right, pick yeah. three Bournemouth players away to Forest. What free do you go? Uh. Semenyo, Solanke, and either Tavernier or Cliver, depending on exactly what else. If if money's no option, I'd go Tavernier, but Cliver point uh, eight cheaper is is a just you know is a good option as well. Now he's now he's had his first goal. But Cliver at four point six is really interesting. I think for those thinking longer term as like an eight for Tacker, I've mentioned him a few times recently. But I think people may just want to dive in really sure, actually looking at right. I want to go game week 17, Luton at home, Forest away, I'm wild card in. Mm-hmm. Money, no objects, Tavernier or Cliver? Tavernier, he's more of a goal threat. Yeah, agreed. I take it, Gary, on a, a free hitting 18, it would be no Manchester United, would it? Or do you throw something like that, Bruno Fernandes the... in because it's affordable? Is that, that is that's, that's the West Ham away, yeah. isn't it, on the dinner time? Yeah. No, I, well, I haven't, I haven't looked at a free at 18, so I, I don't know, but... Um, Obviously, you probably want three three Villa that week. Spurs have got a good Spurs Everton I mean, that week. Villa, Tottenham, Newcastle would be the really popular free. Yeah. Liverpool play. Is, is that Newcastle? Is that Newcastle Luton? Is it Newcastle at Luton? Villa at yeah. so United, think, Tottenham. Home, so. Yeah, so I think so. You, you can maybe put Fernandez in, but you, you know, by the time you've got yourself Son, Isaac, Watkins, Salah, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought. I wouldn't have thought Fernandez away at West Ham would appeal. I mean, you... maybe if, if money's no option, maybe maybe that's an obvious one. There's a well, don't Fernandez might be a bit much for your first bench, but if you got on a free year, you never want to. You don't want a cheap, cheap bench. Do you, you want to know that you've got bench coverage if it goes wrong? So maybe something like that. But that West Ham dinner time week before Christmas, that just that's got all the marks of what we've just seen away at Newcastle. It'd be another one of them. You know nothing performance and yeah, so I I don't think you've got any United. Marcus Rashford. I don't know if you, I don't know if you've been the team by then. You you know. Well, I've I've predicted him not start against Chelsea. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, look, it might just be a, a short shot, shock, shock, and hope that it sparks me into life. But um, yeah, I think I mean, what's he got? Two league goals this season. One of them was a pen. I don't think you could. You'd need to see a lot between now and then to get Rashford. He's obviously the one that's been highlighted the most at the weekend in terms of throwing yeah. the towel, if you will. He's almost like the he's almost like the last person you want to throw that accusation at. 
That's that's well, how it is, feels to me. Like I don't want to slander him in any way. No, I know, but I think I think I think there's a tendency to you know say oh, you don't want to say that about Rashford, but it's there, it's there, it's right in front of your eyes, you know. And this is this has been all season now, and we've seen this from him before. Now, often there's been a caveat, or he's been injured, or things, but we've seen these runs where he just disappears, and then then it'll be, oh, he gets fifteen and nine, and oh, he's you know, let's give him three and a half half a week and all that stuff. But we've seen this from him before. He does he he, he does have it within him to. I don't know if he's down tools. I don't know what it is, but something's not right with him. And if it was, you know, pe- people people are quick to criticise Martial. He's been our he's been our backup striker this season. Hoyland, no one's mentioned Hoyland. He's, he's yet to score a goal yet. So, you know, just because it's Rashford and people like him, and rightly so, he's done a lot of things out of football that are admirable. But and on the pitch, yeah, him, and and on the pitch, yeah. But it doesn't exempt him from. If he performs like he did on well, this this whole season, really, was that was that um, your read on it that he just threw in the towel? I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Whether he doesn't like playing on the right wing, uh, whether there's stuff going on with the team, I don't know. But it didn't look it didn't look good, did it? And if he wasn't throwing the towel, what was it then? Because no, I I, I use reference that in yeah. the first half he did chase after Livermore really hard twice, so it wasn't like he'd been told let him go. Because a couple of times Precisely, he went back so, and yeah. did try. Yeah. So. yeah. If he, it, yeah. As good as he has been for us at times, he's not good enough a player to say, I don't want to play wide right. You know, Garnacho's finally looks like he might be in a bit of a run of form that we all thought he had there. He's a senior senior player at the club, highest paid player there possibly, certainly up there. So you know. go on then, Gary. Like if someone came to you now and said, right, I want a, I want a fifth midfielder for FPL. Do I go Garnacho at four point six or Justin Cliver? Uh, uh, sorry, Garnacho at four point seven or Justin Cliver at four point six? Which one are you saying? Oh, good yell. Um, well, I, I suppose I'd probably say Garnacho, but that's because I've seen more of him and I, I do think quite a lot of him. I've always thought there was a player in there, and obviously these last few weeks it looks like that might be true. Having said that, I have liked the look at Cliver the few times I've seen him play. Obviously, Neil, no, I don't know. I could see Ganacho coming out of the team very quickly again. If well, you know, I don't know if, if Clivert's maybe a bit more nailed. That's the cautious, isn't it? I, that's I not... think you're right to mention about Rashford on the right because if that is a you know a deal break when it's like okay, let, let's put you back on the left and let's show show us what you've got, then Ganacho's yeah. out of the team, isn't he? Precisely, yeah. Uh, and I think that I don't know if it'd be deserved, but I don't think we'll be that far off. Because that would be an obvious way to placate Rashford, isn't it? To say, well, I'll tell you what then, you know, you, you come back and play wide left. But I don't think he deserves that kind of treatment given how... how oh, I'd how agree with that. Like, like for me, yeah. Garnacho plays against Chelsea and Rashford doesn't. Is, is the right solution, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, Neil, Clivert stay in or not? Yes. And, yeah, and Semenyo, know, because people, I think people are worried with the, the ex-mins because at the start of the season, it looked like it. Then he came out for a bit. Now he's obviously back in. Yeah, I think Iriola has landed on a, something that works. And I think you'd be mad to to change that at the moment. Um, there are other options. Obviously, Billing and Sinistera are there if something happens. But I think those two are doing what he wants them to do right now. and. Cliver in particular in that sort of 
middle role of the three has has really started to to shine. So yeah, I I don't see any any changes there, barring a uh, an injury or something being reported. Yeah, Semenya looks like the one. I think at that value, if people are going the two up front strategy, and of course you can do it and rotate it with a a Cliver or a Garnacho, and it allows you to more power in elsewhere. I guess. Yeah, yeah, and and Solanke is such a consistent horse, isn't he? Yeah, I mean he's only him. he's only one goal behind Watkins. Yeah, that's interesting. That I mean Watkins got with... a lot more assists. I want to say maybe. I don't think it's that many more, but but yeah, I mean, and and obviously with that's without penalties as well. Uh, to be fair, neither is Watkins. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you managed Neil to get penalties into this, right? I can't believe it, honestly. You okay. you started a conversation. So Mark Robbins was Alex Ferguson's saviour like thirty three years ago, and only Iriola when he gets you in the Europa League in a couple of years, his saviour was VAR. So you can't mind about penalties, mate. But yeah, I agree. You'll never get one. Anyway, Neil, who's um who's on penalties for Bournemouth? It would be Solanke, but I presume. That, I mean, this is just just being serious about it. In the event that just a, another thing on Semenyo, if Solanke was off the pitch for some reason, he would be the penalty taker. It's just another little. Did he, did he take him at Bristol City? Do we know? I think so. Okay. He he, he would be the the logical thing unless there's someone that. They do the nice thing because someone's on not had one for a while, but all of that front three have had one now, had a goal. So I, I think Semenya would be the one. I think Solanke is what he is, and if people want him, it's fine. Semenyo for me, is probably the best budget forward in the game yes. at the moment. I think Cliver at under 4.7 is arguably the best midfielder at the moment. And I think for those specifically who are wildcard in 19... And the money doesn't matter if you're wild carding off it. Tavernier is absolutely worth considering as well. Mm-hmm. And, and I've said to a few people would land in defensive problems. Say you get there's a few people like Cash, Doggy, Trippier, they're all close to a fifth yellow. Suddenly you land and you go, Oh, I need time for 1718. People are gonna land and they're gonna they're gonna look at Milos Kirkes, mate. So mm. I think, I think there's a few there's, there's, definitely, there's definitely something to be said on on that free hitter as well. If for some reason you are a little bit down, there's those three we've just mentioned. There's nothing wrong with going with any of those three. It's just that even if you want to stick it on the bench, right, as to save a little bit of money, they're all in the form. Yeah, I think you would. Yeah, you you could quite happily have almost have a bench three of Bournemouth and you go with the rest of them, right? And to be honest, the other thing for free hitters, uh, guys, you mentioned that Neil is because it's a Thursday deadline, right? So, so many teams we ain't going to get team news for for that game week. So, having people like Semenyos or Cliverts or even Taverniers as your backups, if you can afford it, is a very sensible way of of doing it. I think, yeah. So, I think Bournemouth enablers would be popular even for the free hitters as well. Actually, good stuff, gents. Thank you so much. Let's do uh, some predictions before we finish. Uh, Gary, Chelsea at home. God, depends which Chelsea show up as well, doesn't it? Um... Oh, I think we'll get beat 2-1. Neil Palace away? I think they will struggle due to some of the injuries they've got. So I'm going to say 2-1 to us. Nice. But I'm not overly confident. And Bournemouth at home, Gary? God. I mean, it could be one of them where we just scrape a 
horrible little win, but I just think Bournemouth have got goals in them at the minute. I'll say two apiece. Oh, my God. Neil? <laughs> I think this is one of those games that we talked about at the start of the season where we talked about Areola getting scouts. And I think this is going to be a big statement game for him. So I'm going to say who won again. But I think this is a, this is a statement game to us, yeah. I admire the confidence and I don't think it's unreasonable either. Um, I said on Monday's pod that I thought it was very conceivable that you would get something at Old Trafford. But I will remind you, Gary, that these are the games that you win. Well, yeah, in the in the main, but we, these are also the games where a team who comes with a bit of ambition and looks to score a goal can do do us some damage, like a Brighton did uh, at Old Trafford. Uh, so yeah, these are the games that we win, but we've we've won a lot of those against teams who have been, you know, shot shine a bit uh, tame, shall we say, you know. If... And I don't know if Bournemouth are going to be in that kind of mode. I think Bournemouth, especially if they get a good result against uh, Palace this yeah, midweek, okay. they might, you know, they've had, they're on a good run of form. They might think it's a bit of a free hit for us, especially with those other good fixtures you've mentioned, the other side of it. They might think a bit of a free hit. We're on good form. We're scoring goals. You know, it can quite easily be a, I'm, a nasty I'm one for us. I'm very confident that they'll give you problems while the game is close. Mm. You know, if you go a couple up, that situation might change. But while the game's close, yeah, yeah they'll they'll give yeah. you one or two headaches. I think. Um, I, I, I mean, I've got I've I've got both midweek games as one one, and I, I think because of your record in these fixtures, Gary, I'd, you know, I'd give you the edge probably like two one to be honest. But yeah, I think it'd be close. The other thing to say is, Gary, I mean, if that is the circumstance where you lose to Chelsea and then lose home to Bournemouth, which game will will be Ten Hag's last? Because it ain't going to go much I beyond don't... that, is it? If that does no, happen. I think I, I think unless unless we get absolutely humiliating one of these, I don't think that'll play much of an impact. I think next week's the big one. If we if we go out of the Champions League, which we probably will, uh, and then go to Anfield and get beat, and I think we've I think that team's shown we've got it we've got it within us to get beat pretty nastily. I think I think that might be the week. I don't think this week will because I think. Really, see, we're probably not going to lose two home games in four days, are we? But no, you know. But even let's just say we stumbled to two draws or a one win, one loss, whatever. I don't think that'll impact it. But going out of that Champions League group, which looks easy on paper, and and then a, another dreadful result at Anfield, I think that might be the the, the, it's, the it's final This this is how it is for United. And I do have a little bit of sympathy with this from the media perspective. You could play well on Wednesday night, beat Chelsea. But if you lose to Bournemouth on Saturday, it's like Chelsea's it never happened. Well, yeah, this 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 is it. This is what's happened all season, and this is what we could probably we might win both these next two home games by a goal, and it'll be oh Maguire's back, Onana's back, Hoyland's back. But you just know that round the corner, you know, Harry Kane will come to Old Trafford and get four. We'll go to Anfield and get done six, and it'll be you know you just know it's round the corner. You don't know where and when, but at some point soon we there will be another. Mad result, so yeah. Good luck. Would you? By the way, if you don't get through in the Champions League, would you rather be in Europa or not? I would, yeah, because it's a, you know, you don't want to be out of Europe before Christmas, do you? Um, well, some of us didn't get in it at all. I mean, Neil 
No, no, would love to you... know what the conference league looked like and stuff like that. Well, that's it. I think I think all these clubs should try. You, you want to stay in Europe or any cup competition as long as you can. It's you know, and yeah, any trophy is a trophy, isn't it? So good stuff. Thank you, gents. Uh, Gary, anything you want to promote before we finish up, mate? Uh, no, thank you. Good stuff, Mister Grover. No, nothing from me. Super stuff, guys. Uh, obviously, very rarely Sky Fantasy Football Podcast now tomorrow on Thursday next week. Clash of Correspondence, where I think is going to be on Tuesday, but that's a to-be-confirmed, will be Chelsea versus Sheffield United with Gary Mansell and Ben Tomo Thompson, who's got Chris Wilder back. He might even be in a good mood. That's available for you next week. Just seems me to say thanks so much to Gary and to Neil. Good luck, gents. Cue music, please. Man, Charlie. The Fantasy Football Show. Sports Social Podcast Network.